This is the Butterfly Effect Podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. You're listening to the Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number 11. Today, I'm doing something completely different than you've ever heard on any of my podcasts to date. I'm sitting down with myself, and I'm going to talk about my journey with fitness and weight loss, the things I did right, and the things I did extremely wrong. This episode of the Butterfly Effect podcast is sponsored by The Sweat Effect. Are time and cost playing a role in your ability to get an effective workout in? Are you overwhelmed by the thought of joining a new gym, but need direction on how to move and what exercises you should be doing? The Sweat Effect is an online fitness program designed with all of those things in mind. For only $25 a month, you receive access to an exclusive private group where all of your warm-ups and workouts are given to you with video instruction on how to move properly and safely while getting an efficient full-body workout in. Visit thesweateffect.com for more details on our programs and services. Last Straw is Canada's reusable collapsible straw. Their mission is to reduce the use of plastic straws by providing a convenient and stylish alternative. They're small enough to fit on your keychain so you can bring your last straw with you everywhere. Or if you're like me and you don't want coffee stains on your teeth, this was my solution. Receive 25% off your purchase at laststrawcanada.ca by using promo code SWEATEFFECT25. Lastly, Athea Skincare believes that every woman should be beautiful in her own skin and have made it their mission to provide the best skincare for active women. If you're like me and need a solution to skincare for the girl who sweats, Athea is up to the challenge. Visit atheaskin.com and use promo code SWEATEFFECT15 to save 15% on your purchase. Use of these promo codes also goes towards supporting the podcast so I can continue to bring you quality episodes like the one you're listening to today. So welcome to episode number 11. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. So this episode is either going to be amazing or a huge flop. I don't know yet. So since starting the podcast back in April, I've either brought on guest hosts to put me under the microscope and bring topics that interest them, or I've interviewed guests and ones that I thought that their story with health and fitness related business or their journey or whatever was intriguing. But today you just get me. I love talking, so I don't know why I was so nervous about doing a solo show, I just guess that I'm scared that I wouldn't have enough content to talk about, or I guess that I'll overuse annoying, unconfident language, but also because I'm recording this one on my own. I'm currently sitting in my spare bedroom with my homemade setup in order to keep recording new content for you guys and putting it out more frequently. So wish me luck you're embarking on this maiden voyage with me. Now, I've made some notes here, so I don't miss out on any of the points of my journey, but I'm going to try to channel my inner Joe Rogan and freestyle some of it just so you guys don't get bored along the way. 
Because no one wants to sit here and listen to some monotone scripted drone for the next 45 minutes or however long it takes me to tell this story. But I'm going to take you all the way back to the year 2001. Think the days of Chumbawamba. I don't know. Was that a 2001 hit? Maybe that was a little bit earlier than that. Maybe that was 1999. But still, anybody out there who is an 80s baby probably still loves that song when it comes on the radio. Anyways, that was the year that I was graduating from high school. I'm five foot six, and then I weighed about 135 pounds. And don't ask me why I remember that. I just do. It was just what I always weighed in high school, I guess. So from as far back as I can remember, I was always into sports. I played softball, badminton, volleyball. I did track. I even had a short stint with basketball the one year that we had a team. I figure skated. I swam and lifeguarded, and I enjoyed water sports and dabbled in a bit of dance and gymnastics when they were offered in the area, too. So, you know, being from a small town, I don't know, it was just what you did. You just played all the sports, and that is what was available to me. So I kind of got involved in everything that I could. But because I was active, it was never an issue that with my weight. I never really thought about it. I figure skated for so many years and that is also what grew me around booty. And I didn't even realize that I had a big round butt until a male friend of mine was over at my house one day and he made a comment about it and he said something about my big butt Uh, So cue years of self-consciousness about that from that point forward. But I'm not even going to get into that because that's a whole other episode on its own. But my weight really never changed. So I didn't realize that my enjoyment in sports was considered a form of exercise. I know that sounds stupid, but It's kind of like brushing my teeth. It was just a habit and I enjoyed doing it and I liked being competitive with them. So it was just a healthy, active lifestyle that I ended up leading without really knowing. But also my mom is a really good cook. And when I say good cook, I don't mean in the fact that when some people say good cook, they're like, oh, they, it was all these like fatty meals and things like that. She was a good cook, but also cooked well-balanced meals. Like for supper, it was always some sort of like meat, potato, vegetable. um, So just like balanced meals. And I guess we did always have a couple, a couple, a cupboard full of snacks. And when my friends came over, they were literally always drooling about it. It was filled with things like gushers and fruit roll-ups and fruit by the foot for my fruit roll-ups people who wrapped it around their finger and then like squeezed it on there and then ate it off of their hand like that because that's what I did with my fruit roll-ups um and I know other people from my school did that too so I'm not a weirdo there are some people out there But whenever my friends would come over, they just drooled over this cupboard because it was filled with so many amazing things. But I never abused it. I'd grab a snack and throw it in my lunch kit. And 
that was kind of it. I never found myself like eating entire boxes of cookies or gushers or things like that. I just took my treat, had it, and was satisfied with that. And like, obviously, I would have um, an after school snack, which was not is not going to surprise you if you listen to the podcast and you follow me on social media. It was always a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and my brother and I, that was our after school snack. I'm not saying that I was some amazing nutrition expert back then. I'm just trying to lay out the big picture for you. What my activity level was like and the fact that I moderated snacks. Again, I didn't sit down and eat a whole tub of ice cream. I'd have my bowl and that would be it. So I think that's kind of where I've always said that I'm a moderator. Um, there's moderators and abstainers. A moderator is somebody who can keep the food in their fridge. They can keep it in their cupboards and take their serving and not be concerned about eating all of it. They're not thinking about it when they close the door. They, like I said, have their snack, put the rest back, and that's that. Abstainers are the people who can't have that food in the house. Now, that has never bothered me like I said, even back from when I was a kid, we always had treats in the house. And I'm pretty sure that's why I am like the way that I am with, you know, snack food in our house today. I have my serving and there's always an abundance of it. I, I can have it again tomorrow. I don't need to eat all of it. It doesn't drive me crazy. That's just that with it. So I guess... I, everything kind of plays a role in where I am today. And, you know, I'm just trying to give you guys the best, like I said, overview of how things were. Now, I wasn't really a breakfast eater back then. Uh, I just preferred sleeping in more than getting up and making breakfast. I do enjoy my breakfast now, but I don't eat first thing in the morning. I do fast now. And looking back, I, I unintentionally fasted then too. I wouldn't eat breakfast first thing when I got up. I would have a snack at school at the recess break in the morning. So it that's essentially what I do now. And I maybe eat first thing at 10 a.m. I would say would be my first meal of the day. And then it's usually something small. So maybe a protein bar or something like that. Uh, if I'm pushing it back later, then maybe I have lunch or like a bigger breakfast. But yeah, back in high school, I would just have my snack at recess and then lunch at lunchtime. So again, probably setting me up for how I kind of am today. And I guess just an easy transition for me when I did decide that I was gonna because I do I kind of try to keep my eating window within a 12 hour window mainly because I like to keep the calories more abundant in that time so if I'm eating my you know 2,000 calories a day within a 12 hour window I feel fuller and if I'm spreading them out over you know 14 or 15 hours, less calories, longer time period, I'm going to get hungrier. So that's why I do what I do. 
feeling satisfied. And I guess looking back on it, I also did it then. So as I said, I didn't really like breakfast. I I inadvertently fasted. We didn't really talk anything about, you know, diet or exercise in my family home back in the day. We just did what we did and we were all of healthy body weights. And yeah, then I guess the point of all of this is unknowingly the way that I ate and the amount that I moved was expending and consuming calories pretty evenly to complement my metabolism. So essentially I was maintaining a healthy body weight, right? Because that is the basis of all weight loss and weight gain is the ratio of the calories you're taking in to the calories you're expending. And yeah, my metabolism was obviously better back you know, 20 years ago than it is now. And I like to think that I've got a pretty decent metabolism for a 35 year old. But yeah, so I could eat a little bit more because my metabolism needed a bit more. But I also was an active person. So that's how that kind of all plays out. Now, the fact that we didn't talk a whole lot about, you know, fitness and nutrition at home I can honestly say that we didn't really talk about it a whole lot at school either, like to the extent that I really knew anything about it. Obviously, I knew that vegetables were good for me. My mom, when I was a kid, always made me drink my milk. I hate a glass of milk. I hated it then and I hate it now. And I don't know if that was a nature or nurture type of thing. My mom and even my dad, they don't drink milk, didn't like drinking milk. So I don't know if I got that from them or if my taste buds just never liked it. But yeah, we were, none of us ever liked drinking milk. They would sit me down at the kitchen table at supper time with my glass of milk and I had to stay at the kitchen table until I finished it. And it could be hours because I was so stubborn. I would sit there with this glass of milk on the table And I like just thinking about it makes me want to gag. It would be so warm if I would have just drank it quickly when it was cold. I could have not spent so many hours sitting at the kitchen table trying to prove to them that I wasn't going to drink it because in the end I had to drink it anyways. But thank God we got past that because that was a hard time in my life. gross (laughs) but anyways like I said I knew vegetables were good for me and I knew I knew that exercise meant doing cardio and that guys lifted weights I didn't really know like personally any females at the time like in the 90s that lifted any weights but my aunt was a runner and she was in good shape so I guess I kind of that's how I made the connection between those types of things and the little tidbits that you learn from health class in school. But I guess I didn't put it together that, yes, the sport that I was doing was also a form of exercise. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. As I said, don't judge me for not looking into it more, being dumb or whatever. But think back to your childhood. Like, as a kid, did you know that going to a volleyball game was expending calories and keeping you in shape and 
I've never thought about it. I just did it. But in later years, my brother got into bodybuilding a little bit. And this is where I learned of protein shakes because he was drinking protein shakes after he was lifting weights. So that was kind of first when I was introduced to it. I guess I would probably be later in my high school career. But that's how I knew that drinking these protein shakes helped build muscle because that's what he was doing. But fast forward almost 20 years now and what a shift like I've had in mindset. I honestly like to consider myself stronger than a lot of guys and I'm not being like I'm stronger than all the guys out there. I'm not even stronger than all the girls out there but I'm stronger than a lot of guys and I'm proud of that fact. So I guess unexpectedly coming from my severe lack of knowledge on that subject, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to reflect on. I didn't know anything about it. And now I consider myself an expert in this field. So it, anybody can anybody can do that, right? Anybody has the knowledge or the power to go out and get the knowledge on the subjects that they want to learn about. And that is what I did. So fall of 2001, I moved in with a couple of my friends in Saskatoon. So the big booming metropolis, the city of Saskatoon. I picked up some bad habits uh, when I moved to the city. I am not going to lie. When they talk about the freshman 15, yep, I know what that's all about. Um, I was introduced to amazing convenience foods. When we used to go to the city from um, our small town when I was growing up, it wasn't a thing to like stop at McDonald's and pick up food. We didn't really do fast food or convenient food uh, when we went to the city. We would always usually sit down for a nice supper at a restaurant and Maybe we would go to the food court because we'd be shopping and running errands and stuff in the city. So at that point, we got to pick from whatever was in the food court. And I, this thought just came to me. Do you remember those giant slices of pizza? And they probably still have them now. It's just not even on my radar anymore. But that would be the thing that I got. Or New York fries, because that is another one. So those were my two options. So going to McDonald's and the drive through wasn't a big thing that we did. So like I said, fast forward to 2001, I'm living in the city, going to university, and I find drive throughs so convenient. I spend lots of nights out drinking and partying. And I also got lazy when it came to cooking for myself. So gone were the days of my mom's good meat and vegetable suppers that I was used to and now I'm living off of a diet of bagels because I had never been to the Great Canadian Bagel before. I'm seriously making myself sound like such a small town yokel right now but I hadn't and I don't know if maybe in 2001 it was like a newer type of thing. I could be way off base and someone's gonna message me and be like Great Canadian Bagel's been around for years. Anyways, I didn't know about it. So chocolate chip bagels, put either, just warm it up, 
that's all it needed usually. Maybe put some cream cheese on it. That was a go-to. I would go and buy a dozen of them because I had seen my roommate do this before and uh, put them in the freezer. So then I just had them on hand so I didn't even have to drive down to the store and pick them up. But I don't even think that when I was growing up that we had bagels at home. They were, like, they were new to my diet at that point in the game anyways. And I would make a lot of pasta and put lots of meat and stuff on it. And I wasn't into lean meats. I didn't even think about the fat content in meats, but I would top it with the most delicious calorically dense foods that there were out there. You know, like all your creamy sauces and cheeses. And obviously I wasn't monitoring my portion sizes. So that is kind of where my nutrition was headed at that point. And on top of all of that, I didn't have any sports essentially laid at my feet for me to be doing. I actually had to like go out, either organize a team or find a team to be on if I wanted to play like any of the rec league sports. And I know, I know people do it all the time. But in my first year at university, it was, I don't want to call it like a shell shock experience, but like Coming from a small town, there was just so many things that I had to get used to. And I didn't even really know what I wanted to be taking in university at that time. So that was also, I just went into arts and sciences because all I knew was that there was two forms of post-secondary education. And yes, I could have educated myself on the subject, but I knew you either went to university or you went to SIAS. And I didn't know what I want to take, so I went into arts and science, which, looking back, I mean, that cost me some money. Um, but I, it's just things I didn't know, and, like, things I didn't know about how the university ran and uh, how to get involved in more sports and more things like that and living on my own and I don't know if this sounds like anybody else's story with like how their first year of university went, but this is how mine went. So I wasn't playing sports as much. And I guess the only activity I was getting in was hitting up the D floor at the Sutherland Hotel, perhaps, or the Pat for any of my old school peeps out there. The pack closed a few years ago. So any of my early 20s people, you may have no idea what I'm talking about. It was downtown in Saskatoon across from the 7-Eleven. So then after you were done there, you could go over to the 7-Eleven, get yourself all that good Sevi food that was in the the warming lights is is that what we call them warming lights you get all your faux deep fried chicken and wedges and your sour cream and you take that home or maybe you go down to extreme pita and uh, load yourself up on something from there regardless you were always eating something late at night after you had consumed a whole bunch of liquid calories and maybe burned off a few by like I said, dancing in between trips to the bar. I'm being transparent with you guys. You can judge me or you can maybe resonate with some part of this story. But 
that was what that year looked like for me. Lack of exercise, increased caloric intake. We all know what happens when that happens, except for I didn't. So what happened was in the spring of 2002, the button fell off my jeans. Even when it happened at the time, I like I had innocently mentioned it to my roommate and she starts laughing hysterically. I didn't know why. I was just kind of confused. I was like, it's no, like the material just got loose and the button fell off. Honestly, I'm telling you the honest to God truth. She in her head's like, girl, you've gained some weight. I'm laughing because now the button popped on your jeans. I'm like, no, I didn't. They still fit fine. The button just fell off. <laughs> like, how naive was I? <laughs> I have to laugh at it. But we didn't have a scale at our condo and... I hadn't weighed myself. I guess I didn't even realize that I was putting on weight and, you know, weighing yourself wasn't really a priority. Mine is still not a priority of others now, but I didn't know. And then summer rolls around. I finished that year of university and I'm moving home to work for the summer out at the golf course at Manitou. Some of you maybe have been there. It was an awesome summer job that I came across. But none of my habits changed. I continued the drinking and eating the way that I was. I was also working at the golf course. So a perk of that was discounted food for all the staff. I was working in the pro shop there and running the beer cart. And yeah, so I could go and have a meal at the kitchen for a discounted price. And that was awesome. And my favorite at the time, they use thick cut slices of French bread, buttered it up, put it on the grill, then deep fried some chicken strips. And then they put the chicken strips, some cheese, lettuce, mayo on there. Serve that up with some fries and a little dill dip on the side. That was my go-to meal. I'm like, oh God, right now I'm just cringing. It was so delicious. And also part of the reason why I went through the increase in weight gain that I did. But I remember specifically one time that summer, getting out of the shower and noticing like these runs in my skin on my sides and being like, that's weird. What are those? And I didn't even know what stretch marks were. So, God, Ashlyn, wake up, shake your head. Come on. So over those two years, I had put on like 30 pounds in the, I think it was the spring of 2003 is when it actually finally hit me that I had gained a lot of weight. And I was at a point where I felt uncomfortable and was embarrassed. And again, you're, some people might be like, well, 30 pounds isn't a lot of weight. Like whatever your number is, is your number. And that was my number where I felt uncomfortable. I was carrying a 30 pound weight vest around with me that I wasn't used to. And my hips were so wide and I just felt like I was like so 
I don't even know how to describe it. Like I remember walking in between like some tables and kind of like having to turn to the side, like at the local restaurant and being like, Oh my God, you need to get your act together. So what does anybody do? It's the 2000s. You've put on weight. What does a small town person or even a person from the city, I guess? I don't know because I'm born and raised small town. But what do small town people know about dieting? You sign up for Weight Watchers. And I did. And honestly, I have a lot of good things to say about my experience there. Obviously, I lost weight. Um, the meetings were at the hospital, like the integrative facility, aka the hospital in Imperial. And once a week, I would walk out there, step on the scale in front of the lady who ran the meeting. I remember vividly, I was nervous and embarrassed and everything the first time that I went out there because now I had to own up to it and I had to step on the scale in front of someone which is also a super vulnerable vulnerable Ooh. good thing that you guys know that I'm just rolling with this today so I hope that you laugh at any of my loves and anything but I was in a super vulnerable position when I had to actually step on a scale in front of another human in the good things about it. Yes, I was being held accountable. And that is what they do at those meetings. No, you aren't stepping on the scale in front of like the group of people that are meeting. It was just you and her and she was a very kind lady. And I appreciated all the support and everything that I got from her. But yeah, anybody who doesn't really know what Weight Watchers is, it's essentially a tracking diet. So they figure out your caloric intake. And then at the time, and I don't know what Weight Watchers is like now, you were given this like cardboard slider. And you would take, I think, the calories of the food and line it up with, you know, how much fat and I think how much fiber that was in the nutritional information on the packaging. And it would tell you how many points were in that food. And you got a certain amount of points to expend in a day. Again, you could look in your book for things that didn't have nutritional information. It would tell you how many points, I don't know, like a half a cup of tomatoes was or 100 grams of chicken breast was, those types of things. So why they do a point system and not, don't just have you calculating your calories. I don't know, but it worked and uh, it was fantastic. So for what I needed at the time and I didn't know anything. So I needed some sort of guidance and I did learn so much more from those meetings than I ever knew about nutrition, which in reflection was nothing compared to what I know now. And I honestly didn't even know why the diet worked for me at the time. And yeah, it just, like I said, it was good for the what I needed at the time, because I needed some sort of direction. I had none of it, didn't know where to start. So I step on the scale in my first meeting, it reads 169 pounds. I was mortified. And so 
coming from somebody in their high school days that weighed somewhere in their 130s, that was huge. I remember coming home and my dad asked me how the meeting went and I was like, oh, like I was one pound off of being completely like having a complete breakdown. Like I just thought 170 pounds in my head. And remember that's 170 pounds that I had no muscle mass on me. It was just 170 pounds of me doing nothing and overeating for the last couple years. So like, it's funny the things that you remember looking back on them, because I specifically remember that conversation with my dad in my kitchen and I don't, I think when we moved, I might've thrown out all my Weight Watchers things. I kept them for all these years. I have no idea why I'm a big purger now. So I'm always getting rid of things constantly, but I've hung on to it. And I think finally I threw them out when we made the big move from Saskatoon to our current home. But I honestly wish that I had saved them because I'd love to look back and just see kind of what my intake looked like then I know it was lower calorie, low fat, low protein, so high carb. And I would love to know what what the calories actually were. I know I wasn't eating enough protein or anything, but that is kind of how I got into Weight Watchers and where it all kind of started. But you know, this, the podcast we're doing today isn't about comparing body weights or sizes and things like that. And I don't want anyone to feel bad about what their journey looks like or anything like that. This is just to strictly tell you how mine went. So I don't, you don't get offended. It, It has nothing to do with you. This is just where and how I've gotten to where I am today. But I'll give you a spoiler alert, that wasn't even the heaviest that I was going to get to in my adult life. As I said, calculated my points, I wrote, hand wrote everything down in a little journal so I could keep track of what I was eating. So essentially, their diet is putting you in a calorie deficit and tracking nutrition, which... I don't know if you're seeing any type of correlation here, but it is kind of what I do now. I just do it on a way bigger scale that's better for me. I really bought into Weight Watchers, though. I bought, like, I use all the recipes and I bought their snacks and I I started adding exercise back in, which was another great thing about it. I hopped on, my parents had a treadmill at the time. I was on that thing religiously. I got back into um, like competitive recreational volleyball, started rollerblading (laughs) because that was what you did back then. Me and my friends would go rollerblading and uh, yeah, don't laugh. Like I said, it's 2003 at this point. So that's what you did. Anyways, I lost 25 pounds doing it. I gained back my confidence and I really loved how I looked and felt again. Now, I don't, (laughs) someone's going to get upset about this probably, but I don't feel like Weight Watchers gives you all of the information. I don't think that they will tell you how to maintain 
results and what you can do in the future and what happens when you stop using the little cardboard slider and calculating points. How do you transfer that over into real life? And I say this about any diet, whatever that diet may be. If you're doing low carb, if you're tracking in my fitness pal, how can you transition over into real life with it? And I give my clients and members all the tools that they need for that because honestly, I don't want to keep them as a client forever. I want to see them spread their wings and fly because what I'm doing, I want to share with everybody. And I honestly can't keep everybody on forever. I want to see them succeed and I want to see them be able to maintain it and have future success with it. Now with Weight Watchers, I feel like there wasn't that that maintenance part. I couldn't, like I said, keep using the cardboard slider and points guide every day of my life. So yeah, you guessed it. I started gaining weight back. They also didn't tell you like why or anything about the foods that I should be eating. And we didn't talk about, you know, going, not going back to old habits. So I think I was in that mind frame that I'd lost the weight, which I think this happens to a lot of people. Now I just go back to regular life. It, I don't know, Weight Watchers people, some people, maybe they've done it differently. And maybe you're out there crushing it with the Weight Watchers things. This was just my experience with it. There might be some people out there who can agree with me on this too. So again, this is just me telling my story. So it was, yeah, the early 2000s. And I don't know. I don't know if it's their business model or what. They're super successful. They got people, isn't Oprah like one of their sponsors or something? I mean... They obviously help people lose weight. They help me lose weight, but I just didn't know enough, nor could I afford to just keep doing it forever. So that was part of that as well. The accountability was great. The support at the meetings and stuff was great. And it did jumpstart my weight loss journey. And like I said, it started me in doing some tracking and things like that. But... When I was done with it, obviously gained the weight back and I did have to sign up again. Uh, it had changed. I do know the program had changed. I remember this from when I had done it the first time. Uh, but I also remember, I, I don't remember being as successful with their new program as I was with the old one. I, I don't even, I don't know how much weight I lost the second time or whatnot. I just remember that the first time I did it, I was much more successful. So at that point, I was about 145 pounds. Um, after my first, you know, bout with Weight Watchers. And uh, that's when I started gaining it back again. Without any maintainable habits, I started, you know, drinking and eating like I'd previously had. And yeah, not shockingly, that's when the weight came back on. 
If I were to guess, I would say it was maybe 160 pounds when I went back again. But <laughs> at this time, I had discovered Spanx. Um, and then I also was moving back to the big city again. I was newly single and I was out living it up on the bar scene again. My only difference was I got introduced to the gym this time. So some, a little bit of weightlifting. I had a friend who was into it and she showed me a few things to do in the gym. So that paired with, you know, my poor eating habits kind of helped me maintain somewhere under 160 pounds. Um, I, I, like I said, I can't remember exactly what I weighed then. And I, mean, I probably didn't own a scale. Well, that's a lie because I still had that Weight Watchers scale up until last year. So obviously I had a scale. Was I maybe just not stepping on it? I don't know. I, <laughs> I just know that, yeah, I lost a little bit of weight the second time I went back to Weight Watchers. But then when I moved to the city, started drinking again, but also started in at the gym. So started maybe putting on a little muscle mass. It was helping me maintain my weight a little bit better than what I was doing before. And I did maintain it for probably a couple of years and then inconsistencies with my fitness and paired with very consistent overconsumption of liquid calories and late night fast foods again, it, that had my weight increasing again. And I had to start, I had to, what was I, I was at this point, I just started my own business. I was waitressing at a bar. And again, I always get sucked in by cheap food that you can get at work. And the bar food was cheap. And I was working a second job waitressing to help supplement this business that I was running, which was a clothing store at the time. So I was working lots of hours between the two jobs and then eating at work with crappy bar food. My time in the gym that I had started when I moved back to the city diminished. And this is where the weight crept back up. During this time, I also met my now husband, Curtis, and he's also had some ups and downs with his weight loss journey in the past. But in about 2010, we decided that we needed to take control of our health and we found a Groupon for CrossFit. Groupon? Who's with me on that? You'd be like, okay, I want to get in shape. I'm going to go on Groupon, see if there's any deals. I needed deals because I was a struggling business owner at the time, so I needed something that was going to be reasonably priced. So by simply adding that in again, so a bit more regular exercise into my regime, I did start to see some results. Like, unfortunately, at that time, though, I hadn't changed any of my nutrition habits. So it definitely stalled out after a while. Uh, I think I was going two times a week. And then it got increased to three times a week. And if you've ever done CrossFit, you know it's not cheap. But I was hooked. And they had these programs where you could just go two times a week or just go three times a week at, at that time. But then eventually I 
did the full-blown unlimited membership because yeah like the like I said the results had seemed to to stop happening but I was really proving that you couldn't out exercise a bad diet and that was exactly what was happening so I was I was yeah I was just eating too much for what I was exercising now this is the time when paleo diets and crossfit went together like peas and carrots so there was a paleo diet challenge that was offered at the gym obviously I got on board with that they said eat unprocessed foods eat whatever you want essentially if as long as you're not eating processed foods I love bacon and eggs I love steak and potatoes and nuts and I guess it was sweet potatoes because potatoes were a no-no but sweet potatoes hells yeah I love butter and nuts and avocado so I just yeah I ate. those were the great foods so I just ate and ate and ate and it was delicious I did lose a bit of weight but what I didn't realize is that you could still overeat those quote-unquote healthy foods and I was still consuming way more calories than I was burning but I did lose a little bit of weight uh, when I did that challenge and we stuck to doing both uh, Curtis and I did stick to doing paleo for a long time but we weren't doing it right um like I said just eating a lot of things and that's when people started getting into like paleo baking which like let's be honest it's not what the caveman had in mind when he was eating his meats and vegetables so this distorted view to this diet was delicious but it was not contributing to the success of my weight loss journey so that's one of the myths that I talk about is you know being able to exercise out exercise a bad diet as well as being able to overeat healthy foods because simple diet science all diets work as long as you're in some sort of a calorie deficit but still didn't know enough about nutrition at this point I always was just taking in what everybody else said and not really doing my own research on stuff enter the world of my fitness pal my best friend was getting married in 2011 in Mexico and I was one of her bridesmaids and obviously I wanted to look fit for the trip so I would guess at this point I weighed around 160 to 165 pounds at the time I went back into my fitness pal actually like scroll back and uh, could see some of the entries that I had made in it I was eating roughly between a thousand to twelve hundred calories and I was losing weight I think I got down to maybe what did it say in there a hundred and fifty no 148 is what I got down to so it worked you track your food in there only eat a thousand to twelve hundred calories a day boom weight loss magic because this and you want to know how I got that 
number of the 1,000 to 1,200 calories? Well, if you take your maintenance calories, which I said were 2,000, don't ask me where I came up with that number. Apparently, I'd been reading too many like women's health magazines or fitness magazines or whatever. And if I only ate a thousand calories, and if you needed to be in a caloric deficit of 3000 calories to lose one pound, then I was eating a thousand calories less every day than what I needed. I should be able to lose almost two and a half pounds every week, right? Perfect science math right there. (laughs) Except for I had no idea what I was talking about. So cut the calories and what happened? Well, yes, I saw weight loss results. Uh, But I was still doing CrossFit at the time and I was so freaking sore because I didn't realize that I needed that food, that energy to be replenishing my muscles to be growing. And I also got injured. I think that was like when my back injury started to flare up again was then. I had injured my back like way back in high school. (laughs) I think either probably wakeboarding. I wanted to say wakeboarding or water skiing. But anybody who wakeboards, this is why we surf nowadays. We don't we don't hardly ever pull out the wakeboards because they're so hard on you. But I remember hurting my back as a teenager um, with it. And it was fine for however many years after that. But once I started cutting those calories way, way, way back again and doing CrossFit, it started to flare up again and it was pretty bad. But that was... I was losing weight. I was feeling good about my journey at this point. My friend and I would text each other like every day and we'd be like, like, woohoo, down another pound. And we would, you know, cheer each other on. And it was awesome. We were loving it. Except for I was starving myself and I didn't realize that it wasn't going to be maintainable. I was going to gain the weight back again. To put that into perspective, me getting down to 148 at that time looked a lot different than me at 148 now, which is, you know, I kind of usually generally sit around that um, because I didn't have as much muscle because I wasn't growing any muscles because I wasn't eating enough food, let alone eating enough protein to help me really maximize my leanness. So me at 148 looked a lot different than 148 now. And I should actually, I'll I do still have a photo from that time, an old, dark iPhone photo that I'll pull up um, when I air this podcast and I'll put it, the comparison of the two 148s on there. But I looked, yeah, I carried a lot of weights like still in my butt. It doesn't show very well in the photo, but I leaned out in the top and still, yeah, had some stubborn areas in my bottom. But yes, I lost the weight, went to Mexico, felt really good and got home and yeah, just again, went back to eating normally because I couldn't continue to eat a thousand calories. 
you can probably guess what happened next. I started putting weight back on. I did maybe one or two more paleo challenges at the gym because it was really the only thing that people thought was successful at the gym. Everybody, like I said, everybody knows CrossFit and the paleo diet, they're just, they were just a thing back then. Now if you say the word paleo at a CrossFit gym, people are like, what are you talking about? That is not a thing. Or people who don't do CrossFit still have it in their head that CrossFitters eat paleo. So if I go somewhere and somebody asks me, you know, what I do, and if I mention something about CrossFit, they're like, oh, do you eat paleo? And we actually laugh because we haven't eaten paleo in six years, five years for sure. And it's just not a thing that people really do anymore. But yeah, so started gaining the weight back again. And this is when low carb diets started to get more and more, you know, becoming a hot and heavy trend. And I was advised again by peers that I should do this type of a diet. So I'd track in my fitness pal and I would only eat, and I don't know if I had a calorie goal, but I would only eat, I should only be eating 30 grams of net carbs each day. And then one day per week, I could eat a bunch of carbs to refuel, like just go crazy. I didn't have to track or anything. Now this sounded like the diet for me. Hell yeah, I could restrict my carbs all week if I could go crazy on Saturday. But I remember at one point during this diet, uh, being in the middle of a workout and it had wall balls and it. it might even have been fight gone bad, which is like five stations and you have a minute to do as many reps of each of the movements. And one of the minutes is wall balls. And I just remember as the coach at the time was like, do not put that wall ball down It's only one minute. And if you know fight gone bad, you know that the wall balls come first in the workout and it's three rounds. You do, I think it's a minute of wall balls, a minute of Oh, people are like, oh, come on, Ashlyn. Uh, maybe push press. No, push press. Okay. I know you're listening to me struggle right now. So it's wall balls, sumo deadlift, high pull, box jumps, push press, rowing. You do a minute at each one of those stations. And after the row, you get a minute of rest and you do that two more times. So this might've been in my second or third round coming off my minute of rest, which you should be feeling the freshest after, right? And I, the coach was like, it's one minute, like, do not put your wall ball down. And I didn't put it down, but I remember leaning up against it, against the wall, because I was so fatigued and I had no idea what was going on. And nobody really else put it together too. They just, I I, I don't know, assumed I was being lazy and I kind of got dubbed with getting a little bit lazy in my workouts and stuff. But the fact was I had no energy. I didn't realize that by only eating, you know, those 30 grams of carbs every day, I was depleting my energy systems that I needed for certain workouts in CrossFit. So that I just... It was a horrible feeling. I had nothing in me. And there were times where I would get up and maybe eat a Quest bar. 
and be like, oh, okay, I'm good to go to the gym. Maybe it was on a Saturday and the class was at noon or something. Again, no energy and I didn't know why, but if you know Quest Bars, they've got a lot of fiber in them. So it wasn't really fueling either, but they, that fiber went towards net carbs. So that's why I loved them. And ugh, it was just this horrible spiral that I was doing. But anyways, I had no energy and I just kept taking the word of other people on why this was the next best thing, the next diet that I should be doing instead of researching myself. But don't judge me because think about it. Think about a diet that you've heard from someone was awesome and they saw these great results and you only have to do this and you don't have to put in that much work and maybe you get to eat whatever you, copious amounts of whatever you want. You obviously want to try that diet and that's what I was like. But the low carb phase turned into a carb backloading phase. I don't know if you know anything about carb backloading. Essentially, you eat low carb all day and then in the evening, you would eat all the carbs. Well, this sounded way better. And then it was supposed to fuel you for the next day. Well, the only thing that was happening with this was, again, overeating because I wasn't, I didn't have any sort of, I don't, I don't know. I can't blame it on anybody but myself, but I wasn't tracking anything. I was just eating all the carbs. So during the day, I was eating a lot of fat and protein. And in the evening, I was eating a lot of carbs. Everybody makes the joke that carb backloading can turn into carb frontloading. All that you do is end up putting on weight from it. It wasn't benefiting neither Curtis or myself really at the time. It worked. And whenever I talk about these diets, yes, they for sure work for others, but it wasn't what worked for me. So don't get that confused with anything else. This is just how I went through the process of finding out what did work for me and what works for a bunch of other people as well. For my lifestyle and my activity level and what I do for exercise, these just... And you know what? Going... I could probably carve backload now that I know more about it. Um, for me, my friends always laugh because I am a 100% carb fueled, if I want to call myself an athlete, athlete. I, I, I can't be lacking on my carbs before I work out. I just feel I need those for all my energy for those workouts. So for if I was working out at supper time, but I hadn't had any carbs yet, I didn't feel that the carbs that I had loaded the evening before had lasted me long enough through the day where I wasn't eating any carbs to fuel my workout at night. Now, maybe if I had been working out in the morning, this would have been a better solution for me. But like I said, for myself personally, I feel that I need all the carbs for the type of exercise that I do. Now, there was also another period that we went through that was eat big, lift big. And this phase was where you just ate all the food, but you needed to be lifting lots of heavy weights in order for you to turn into 
a lean, mean barbell eating machine. It turned out I was not doing enough extra lifting of my moderately heavy weights for that to be the case. So again, what ended up happening was just putting on weight. I was fueled because I was eating so much food. But if you do CrossFit, you know, being fueled and carrying around extra body weight will contradict each other because that meant with my lift big eat big phase, I put on some weight, it made my gymnastics way harder. So any of my body weight pushing and pulling and things like that, it was harder. By this point, you're probably thinking, Ashlyn, stop fad dieting. And you're right, but I needed to figure all of that out still. The truth of the matter is that this happens so much to too many different people and they continue to do it for their entire lives because they just don't know any better. And don't get me wrong, this isn't where I try to sell you one of my programs, but it is where I tell you this is why I'm so passionate about helping others. I've been there. I've lived it. I know how exciting a new diet can be. You get hooked when you first start losing that weight, but... How many of us actually looked into the sustainability of it before we started? I wanted a quick fix. That's why I did these fad diets. I didn't want to have to put too much work in. I wanted to see results quickly. But the truth was, it took me multiple years to put the weight on. So it was going, why did I think that I was going to take that weight off right away? The attempt and demise of all of my fat diets left me at my heaviest weight in the summer of 2013, where I weighed in at 179 pounds. I remember that day. So I am lucky enough to be surrounded by other people who wanted more out of their nutrition journey as well. And that caused me to finally start, you know, digging in and doing the research. Some people made fun of like the if it fits your macros or IIFYM trend when we first started seeing it. And yes, I know people who have been doing it for for eons, but that is just like when I started paying attention to it. But people would say dumb things to me like, if it fits in your mouth and laugh and think that they're hilarious. But for any of you self-righteous individuals, I'm so glad that your if it fits in your mouth model worked for you. I too have tried it in the past and all that ended up happening was my increase in weight gain. I've kept an open mind to everyone's way of nutrition and if that's what works for them, fantastic. But if there's one thing out there that really grinds my gears, it's when someone tries to tell me, just eat whatever you want. I don't try to make people feel bad with their choices in nutrition So you don't get to have an opinion on mine. That goes for anyone. So anywho, if it fits your macros, it got into these kind of like weird trends. You would see photos on social media of like homemade Pop-Tarts with these like ridiculous fillings that had no nutritional value in them whatsoever. And people were making them because they were delicious and it fit your macros and you can lose weight and do this too and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) <laughs> it's I know it and it's still out there people some people still do this and while it's true for weight loss 
this will work for sure. But I do believe that everyone, and I believe everyone should have a treat in their day if they want one, but there is a bigger picture with our nutrition and that's our health and our longevity and doing things now that are going to prevent things like long-term illnesses and whatnot. That's what we have to keep in mind too. The moral of the story is you can't live off of crap and throw some chicken breasts in and call that the best means of nutrition. But this is where I really started researching into, you know, my health journey and what I should be doing. And I guess you could call this my TSN turning point. I knew I needed to do something and I went onto a website that's called ifitfitsyourmacros.com and I calculated what my macros should have been. I started loosely following them and then played with them, adjusted them, whatnot. But I was, you know, pretty inconsistent in, I think this was by 2015. So within, you know, two years, I got myself down to about 165 pounds with that approach. But at this point, my wedding was coming and... I needed to to dial it in. Um, we were going to Vegas to get married, and I wanted to look and feel my best for it. So I made sure, well, and I can't even say I made sure at this point. I was still being pretty inconsistent on the weekends, but I was super consistent during the week. And I was like sitting around 162 pounds when I got married. And it wasn't where I wanted to be. Like, I wanted to be below uh, 160 at this point. But I don't know. I was like, eh. I had my aha moment. It was that I couldn't be, you know, going all crazy on the weekend still and just dialing it in during the week. That was where things were going wrong for me. So at that point, I just started staying consistent, hitting those numbers every day. So when that happened, shockingly, I started seeing results again. That's where I lost another 20 pounds. So just by practicing that consistency, consistency of eating in essentially, because what macros are your, your carbs, fats, and proteins, and each carb and for, so for every carb, gram of carbon protein, it's four calories. And for every gram of fat you intake, it's nine calories. So that's how it makes up your calorie intake. So essentially by eating in those in that calorie range and getting enough protein and fiber and those types of things, that's where I found my, where the magic laid. I hadn't changed anything with what I was doing for exercise. I was still working out, like doing CrossFit four or five times a week. So that stayed the same, but I just dialed it in. And like I said, I'm all about people having a treat. So I still have a treat during my day. I was eating foods that I enjoyed. So that's what made it easier to stick to. And if it's easy to stick to, you're going to be more consistent with it and you're going to see more results with it. You guys have heard me say this a million times on other podcasts. If you've worked with me, consistency is the king of everything. 
And that is where it's going to get you to your goals. You can't overeat on the weekends all the time. Yeah, for sure. I'll have some days where they're not perfect now. But if I wanted to see the results, I had to stay consistent with it. So also not shockingly, my gymnastics movements got better once I lost the weight. Uh, Everybody had told me the gym, oh, you just need to get stronger. And the handstand push-ups and the pull-ups and the chest bars and the muscle-ups, they'll all get easier. What I needed to do was lose some weight. So in doing that, in dialing in my nutrition and being more consistent, I lost the weight and the increase in my gymnastics in the gym was crazy. Again, for my everyday people who really don't give a shit about things like that, not, you know, that it doesn't matter to you, but for people who do CrossFit and they're wondering why, I also started moving faster. Less weight, I'm going to row faster, run faster, do body weight movements faster. So that all played a role in it too. If you wanted to get better with your fitness, that's my, that'll be my, if, if you go five times a week and you're not where you're at with it that you want, then you need to dial in your nutrition. It's as simple as that. So as I said, not trying to sell anybody anything, but I'm I'm trying to give people all the information that they need out there to be successful. That being said, I have made up, I want to show you guys like what my nutrition looked like when I first started this journey. It's obviously changed um, a bit now, like with my activity level and like the change in my metabolism. So I started putting together just like a seven day snapshot and I'll put it in a free ebook for you guys to be able to download. You'll know when it comes out if you follow me on social media and things like that. But it'll show you exactly what I did for fitness and nutrition every day for a week. And it'll give you an idea of, you know, I guess what a successful diet looks like. I'm not saying if you follow what I did, that it'll be successful for you because you need to play around with what works best for you and your lifestyle and activity level and things like that. But I will lay it all out there, the foods that I was eating, as well as the exercise and everything that I was doing on that side too. So like I said, stay tuned for it. I'll put it out um, another free download because I'm all into doing the freebies right now. I've got my free Starbucks uh, drink guide for low calorie drinks uh, and my fast food ebook that came out a while ago. But I feel like I need to tell people about it because it's super awesome. It took the top two picks from like dozens of fast food restaurants, like the, the best choices, the top two best choices at those restaurants for when you're in a hurry. And I still use the book and I was just using it the other day. That's why I was like, I feel like I should mention this because people have forgotten about that ebook. Just like the Starbucks, Starbucks guide. Love it too. I'm, I'm pretty blah with my Starbucks order. I usually get a blonde rose, put a little bit of cream in it, maybe a pump of sugar-free vanilla, or I get a Misto, same thing. Um, I'll do it with the blonde and I'll do, uh, with like a fat-free like milk as well as the sugar-free vanilla pump. Now I have tried some delicious new drinks that are all in there too. So 
go get my free stuff. I keep making it up for you people to help you expand your palettes while reaching your goals. So I want you to have it. <laughs> so anyways, back to what I was saying, like, don't get me wrong. My nutrition isn't perfect. We go on holidays where now that I play around with some intuitive eating, um, because that's, you know, you you can't live on my fitness pal forever. I still enjoy tracking and, you know, what that does for me. And I'll go back to it usually when I'm home. But I work on my intuitive eating and, you know, how I can get that to help maintain my results now. And my weight will go up and down. But I have to remember that, you know, more movement throughout my day and getting my intensity up in my workouts also play a huge role in how my metabolism's firing. So I know like what I do isn't for everyone, but I hope there was at least one part of my story that you could resonate with or at least found interesting or insightful or something. And my research also isn't over. It'll be a never ending ordeal. So I can continue to bring the best information to my clients as well as for myself. I It would be a disservice if I quit doing research on fitness and nutrition related things. So there's just one, one quote and it's not even really a quote but just something I like to reflect on. Our body is our most important asset. So if you would treat a Ferrari with the utmost of care why don't we do that for our body? Our body will be of much more use to us in the long run than any car would be. So I just want people to think about that. And, you know, like I said, treat yourself with the most respect that you would treat your most prized possession. Anyways, I really appreciate you guys for bearing with me through my first ever solo episode. I hope that I didn't scare you off and that you'll listen again. And don't worry, it won't be like this every time. I promise to continue to bring people on the show too, but I wanted to give this a go and see how it went. If you go onto the SweatFX Instagram page, you can comment on the show post when it's up, telling me if this was a hell yeah or a nah in your books. But guys, keep on rocking in the free world. We'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed the episode, all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your Instagram story or feed to show your love. This way, the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners. The show exists because of sponsorship, so in order for me to have sponsors support it, it needs to have a following of subscribers and ratings. Taking the time to share it with your followers will totally help keep it thriving. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please get in touch with me and I can give you all of the details so we can start working on promoting and advertising your business. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences, and daily dose of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit. 